Okay. Uh, you are here listening to the Year Zero podcast, to the syllabus series in which I have been going through a very interesting syllabus put together by the Boston College Professor of Political Science, Shep Melnick, who is here with us once again, to discuss the latest um, entry into that syllabus. It's one that we're actually taking a bit out of order, but it's interesting to do it this way, uh, in part because the last essay by Hugh Hecklow proceeded from the assumption that the, the, uh, the great ideological upsurgence uh, that happened in the 1960s did not result in an actual consensus, um, a sort of a restoration of a, of a functioning governing consensus, and that has never been done. But we're going backwards to uh, a book by former Harvard University professor of government, Samuel Huntington. We're looking at the first two chapters of a book called, oh, I'm sorry. The, uh, what's the title of the book? It's, it's called uh, American Politics, The Promise of Disharmony. Yes, The Promise of Disharmony. It's a, it's a fascinating performance. Almost every paragraph seems to uh, contain a, you know, a capsule, capsule intervention looks uh, into taking a comparative approach to American government versus that of European ideas about politics, um, and more or less proceeds from the assumptions that all prior understandings of American history have been fundamentally deficient uh, in their incapacity to deal with the, the heavily a moralized character of American politics, and that attempts to, by, by subsequent schools of political science, to try to overcome the sort of the, the original uh, patriotic framing of American politics as a striving after a handful of ideals ended up producing materially economistic and reductionist accounts uh, that do not account for the, the gigantic upsurges of passion that are a, a constant in American history. So I want to begin uh, by inviting uh, Professor Melnick to lecture a bit on the content of the book, uh, its significance within political science, why it fits within this particular syllabus, and then we'll have some conversation. And, and toward the end, we'll get around to the inevitably speculative question of whether the country that it describes and the American creed that it posits as fundamental to this uh, country is still the one in which we are living in today, or whether we're in the midst of an inflection point where the creed may Certainly, there, there are those who explicitly challenge it. Uh, I, I identify it as, I don't think it's too crude to say that, that, that those who identify it crudely as a form of white supremacy um, and, and whether, uh, w whether these new, highly moralistic, highly polarizing movements uh, can be said to be successors uh, as they intend to be, or whether they would be folded by a future Huntington back into, you know, the American creed against which they are, they appear to be engaged in a frontal assault. Um, so let's begin with um, uh, Professor Melnick. Okay, sure. Thanks, Wesley. I, I think you hit upon a number of important themes. Let me just start with the question, who was Sam Huntington? Um, Sam Huntington was really a remarkable figure. Um, he was a Harvard professor for a long time, and he he did something that I think can't be done anymore, which is to have been a major figure in three parts of political science, a leading international relations scholar, a remarkable scholar of comparative politics, especially the comparative politics of development, and third, a leading commentator on American politics. Uh, these days, if you can be a leading commentator in one of those fields, you've done well. 
uh, he did it in all three. And I will say that um, Sam was a teacher of mine for a while. He was a colleague of mine and I have great respect for him, but I would say that I, he is always brilliant, always provocative, and in my view, often wrong. And those things are quite compatible one with the other. So what, what's the core of this book? His argument, as you pointed out, is that uh, previous students of politics, American politics, have not properly understood the central dynamic of American politics. There's one school of thought that basically we are a relatively consensus Lockean nation where there are no major issues that are um, at stake and that uh, we're in that way are quite different from European politics where we have real battles of ideas. This view was particularly prevalent in the 1950s with the arguments about the end of ideology, the kind of vital center. Um, That obviously came apart in the 1960s. Another view is that basically we are engaged in an ongoing battle between the haves and the have-nots. You can put this in a Marxist perspective or a more class-based perspective that is not necessarily Marxist, but it's a battle between the rich and the poor, which Aristotle said is always a fundamental part of politics. And the third possibility is that we're basically a nation in which the major battles are between competing interest groups like a Madisonian version. And what Huntington says in this book is that those are obviously part of American politics, but the central part is the dynamic between um, uh, the existing institutions of politics and the ideals that many of us hold dear. And his fundamental argument is that our institutions are at odds with our ideals, our constitutional uh, and Declaration of Independence ideals, and that there's always going to be this huge tension. And that what happens in these periods of creedal passion is that there is a demand that we bring our institutions into alignment with our ideals, um, especially ideals of equality, of liberty, and of popular sovereignty. So that uh, what he finds at these various periods that he calls creedal passion is that there is, as you pointed out, a moral passion that is distinctly American and often seems to have religious zeal. Um, And he does think that there's a religious element of this. Um, That is a battle against corruption, a battle against elites, um, an effort to try to to expose corruption and misdeeds, and that this happens periodically. Especially the the decade of the revolution, the 1770s, the Jacksonian period of the 1830s, um, the first decade of the 20th century with a populist attack on uh, corrupt institutions, and then again in the 1960s. Um, And so one of the common features between Huntington and Hecklow is that they really see uh, the 1960s is a, a period of enormous importance, enormous change. But of course, for hunting, this is part of a recurring cycle because we have such a, what he says, anti-power understanding of our ideals that no government can ever live up to them. So we will basically go through these periods of creedal passion and then revert to the norm of 
either hypocrisy or complacency. But you, you mentioned the issue about how much does this describe what we're going through right now? And I thought I would just point out some of the elements that seem to ring especially true today. Um, on page 86 to 87 of the book, he lists um, 14 different features of creedal passion. I won't bore you and the readers with all of them, but I just thought I'd read a few to see how accurate this seems to be. One is discontent was widespread authority, hierarchy, specialization, and expertise are widely questioned or rejected. Moral indignation over the institution versus ideals gap was widespread. The exposure or muckraking of the institution versus ideas gap was a central feature of politics, muckraking. Movements flourished devoted to specific reforms or causes, women, minorities, criminal justice, temperance, peace. New media forums appeared, significantly increasing the influence of the media in politics. And just a couple more here. Political participation expanded, often assuming new forums and often expressed through hitherto unusual channels. The principal political cleavages of the period tend to cut across economic class lines. Um, and major reforms were attempted in political institutions in order to limit power and reshape institutions in terms of American ideals. And I think you see every one of those features in the current unrest, and you see it on the right and on the left. And just to emphasize, this is not traditional economic battles, because we see that the, the, the cultural battles cut across class lines, leading to a lot of instability in electoral politics. I mean, Trump understood this, unfortunately, quite well. So in, in, in prior moments of creedal passion, like the, uh, you know, the early 20th century, um, that, that energy articulated itself both on the right and the left as well. And mm-hmm. so there was uh, progressive reform, but there was the eventual, you know, the nativist movements that, that, that yeah. culminated in re- restriction of ingress into this country mm-hmm. for a couple of generations in 1924. And of course, that was the period when the... Uh, Foreign-born share of the United States population was larger than it had ever been and would ever be until around 2015. Mm-hmm. So it almost feels as if there is a kind of almost socio-biological thermostasis that that will that will generate such movements um, when people feel diversity to be past a certain threshold, and mm-hmm. and it's it's also not unusual that it would come alongside intellectual currents toward a transnational America that was spoken about um, by the intellectuals of the 1910s, uh, just as we see a a movement toward attacking the legitimacy of a border (laughs) um, and a a political, juridical, intellectual project to execute that through sort of, you know, very, very expansive, uh, you know, readings of of, of who of who is eligible for uh, asylum, and then also there have been individual state legislatures in progressive uh, areas in New York and San Francisco. A judge actually just recently overturned an act by New York to to give the vote to non citizens. Mm-hmm. So the the coincidence of creedal passion taking the form of drastically politically opposed and polarized responses uh, fits very well w- uh, with um, Huntington's model that it is in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, that conflict is the child of consensus, <laughs> an, an underlying belief in principles of 
uh, egalitarianism and individualism and above all, as you said, the anti-power ethic mm-hmm. generating powerful populist movements on both the right and left. Yeah, let me pick up on what point you made about immigration, that in the progressive period, there was an attack on corruption. And we often think of that as kind of um, in economic terms, that um, there were, you know, it was attack on, you know, the railroads were engaged in enormous corruption by U.S. senators. There was Tammany Hall that was basically um, lining many people's pockets. But there was all that was often with a progressive tied up with the anti-immigration theme that you stress because political machines were were ways in which immigrants were brought into politics. That uh, there was an attack on allowing recent immigrants to engage in politics. There was an attack on. Um, this was a time in which Jim Crow in the South was greatly strengthened um, with a literacy test. I must say that uh, this affected me in an odd way, kind of personally, because my father um, tried to come into the United States in around 1920, and the borders were shut. So he had to go to Canada first and sneak mm-hmm. in. I'm the son of an illegal immigrant. Uh, I don't exactly apologize. Hi, this is Wesley Yang. You're listening to the Syllabus Series, part of the Year Zero podcast, wherein I do a deep dive into an academic subject, guided by an expert who will provide me with a reading list and work with me through it over the coming weeks and months. You're listening to an abridged version of a longer conversation. If you want to listen to the whole episode, which is for paid subscribers only, you have to visit my Substack, which is my home base for both my writing and podcasting endeavors, wesleyyang.substack.com, where you'll be able to subscribe to a package of writings by myself outside contributors, and what promises to be a large archive of conversations with a range of academic experts on a range of different subjects. That's wesleyyang.substack.com.